You're listening to The Caring View. Hello and welcome to The Caring View podcast. We are the online social care chat show available on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and all of your usual social channels. And we are also available on all of your favourite podcasting services. Today is episode three of our latest series of the Caring View podcast, all around inspirational leaders, entrepreneurs, um, innovators, people who've really made the, the the best go at startup companies. So before we get started, if you do watch us on YouTube, great. If not, don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Spotify and our other podcast channels, and find us on all of our social links at The Caring View. Very simple, just at The Caring View across all of our socials. So today, we are joined by Ian Clay, the founder of The Care Connector. Now, I'm not going to um, fluff this up and make a half-hashed attempt at trying to explain what The Care Connector is, because it's too amazing for me to make um, a pig's ear out of it. So, Ian, welcome to the show. Tell our fabulous audience who you are um, and, and what The Care Connector does. Hi, yeah. Um, thanks very much, um, Adam and Mark, for having me. Um the Care Connector is something that I set up during lockdown um, in LD1, the original. Um, and it's for, the goal is to provide a safe space for people working in the care sector and for those that provide to it to be able to connect, collaborate, network, learn from each other, and basically also have some social fun. Thank you very much. And great to have you join us. So do you class yourself as an entrepreneur? I never used to, but other people do. So because of that, I've supposed yes now um, it has become that because it's not just one thing that I do now. Um, I look at other things and there's constantly things coming into my um, brain as both of you know, I've spoke before, I've got ADHD and dyslexia. So I see something and go, oh, <laughs> that could be um, made a lot easier, a lot more um, streamlined. Um, and here's the fix. So, yeah, I, I do, I suppose, class myself now as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Thank you very much. And what do you think is required to be an entrepreneur? Um, tenacity. <laughs> Um, stubbornness <laughs> um, <laughs> and the way I mean by that is not giving up when things go wrong because um, inevitably they will um, and you you need to have that drive um, behind you I think is one of the biggest things is the drive um, and that gives you all the things I just said there before about the stubbornness and tenacity and stuff too take things forward um and also to be able to see the big picture i should be okay then because i'm a taurus and we're notoriously um stubborn so i should be okay for that Me i think too. that yeah. <laughs> oh, oh there we go there we go for, for those who don't believe in horoscopes it is true taurus <laughs> are stubborn we are great at um uh, becoming entrepreneurs i have no idea what i do half the time in so uh, i'm sure there's a lot more than just stubbornness. like you say tenacity that adversity really is 
being able to to fail and brush yourself off and, and crack on is is really really important so way before the pandemic i know it's hard to think of a time before covid um became a, a common word in our vocabulary what did you used to do before the care connector what, what what's been your life what's been your sort of journey in in, in your career so um yeah my journey would start back really um i'm a chef by trade um and traveled all over the world used to work on private yachts spent winters in the caribbean summers in the med enjoying the life um and then i came back to scotland and did some freelance work up here and then i went into some management stuff around um contract catering and things like that and then i got to the point of do i and can i do this for the next 35 years <laughs> and the answer came up as no um and I wanted to do something else, but I wanted to stay within that realm. And I went, ended up going to university, where I got diagnosed with dyslexia, funnily enough, um, to study dietetics. And then I was speaking to a sort of a, quite a high up dietitian, and she said to me one day, because I used to sit on the board for the students, and she said, "What?" Um, what do you want to do? And I says, I want to go and work in geriatric dietetics. And she said, well, you'll be a chief within three years. A, because you're a male, and B, because you want to go and work in geriatric dietetics, and that's not sexy. And I said, well, <laughs> it might not be for some, but I enjoy, that's where I want to be. And she said, why? And I said, because I want to change the way nutrition and dining experience is delivered to the care sector. Because um, I worked, while I was at uni, I worked in a lot of care homes as an agency chef. Um, and just a bit more background there. My mum was a care of the elderly nurse. So I've been in this sector or around it all my life since I was born. Um, and she said, why do you want to do that? And this is, so I told her and she said, I'm going to give you a bit of advice. She says, don't go into the NHS because you'll change nothing. She says, it's too big. She says, you know, go out and change what you want to change. So I set up a nutrition and catering management consultancy. Um, and that's what I was doing prior to that. Um, and also went over to America and studied human behavior and behavioral analysis from a, a business perspective. Um, so looking at behavioral leadership, why people do what they do. Um, and the reason I did that was because I would go in and deliver training and people would do what I want them to do. I'd go away, come back in a couple of months time and they'd be back to doing what they were doing before I was in there. Um, so I wanted that to change. So I went and did that. And then I was down in Plymouth um, when all, when this little bug arrived on our shores. And in my 10 hour drive back, every single one of my clients rang me and said, we're going to have to push it till May. <laughs> I don't know what May we're talking about, but <laughs> um, we were going to have to push things till May. And that was it. Basically, my work stopped overnight. Well, in a 10-hour drive back to Scotland from Plymouth. And that's so that's basically what I was doing before. I still do nutrition consultancy and catering management consultancy. Um, so and have things changed? Do you think things have changed in the world of, of 
Um, I'm just going to say food in care, dietary, uh, dietary needs in care. Have things changed for the better or are things pretty much the same from when you went out with this grand idea of, of reforming everything? Not to say that you've not done a good job at it, but we all know what it's like trying to put out fire with um, uh, a tiny little water pistol. <laughs> or petrol. Um... Or petrol. <laughs> <laughs> um, some places, yes. Some places have really stepped up. You know, um, I'm linked with quite a few people who I would say have really made a difference. Um, you know, Danny Silcock and um, Richard Pearhouse, Andrew Dunn. These people have made big strides in providing good nutrition and good food, basically. Um, but on the whole, not really. Um and I think it's it's funny because I was I've been having a few conversations and I'm just about to put out a blog, which might be out by the time this goes out, around the fact that the care a care home is not one business, it's three. It's a caring side, it's a hotel, and it's a business. And the hotel bit seems to get forgotten about. Um and that is one of the biggest things that is coming across that people are looking for now when they're looking at care is what's the food like what's the provision of food what's the dining experience um so there's a long way to go i think but we'll keep as i say that tenacity and <laughs> determination and stubbornness will keep pushing ahead thank you very much i think yeah, it's great to hear your journey leading up to the Care Connector and yeah, life on the sea in the Mediterranean versus life in Scotland and in the cold. <laughs> so tricky balance there. So was there was there always a passion for you to have your own business? And how did the idea of the Care Connector come about? So yeah, so I've always worked my own business when I was younger. Um, I started chefing when I was 15. Um, and I always wanted to have my own restaurant. But then because of the change of circumstances for myself, going to university and changing my career, um, I always knew that I wanted to work for myself. I always knew that I wanted to work for myself. I always used to look at things and go, this could be done so much better, yet there's always something or someone standing in the way um, of that being achieved. Um, so I wanted to get to the point where I could make the decisions about what needed to go forward. And I wanted to be a driving force rather than, you know, someone who was doing it for someone else. So I'm just patching all your journey up in my head and, you know, and finally getting to this sort of Care Connectors point. Prior to Care Connectors, you're an MD of a solutions organization. Um, so what was it like leaving and starting out this whole self-employed adventure? I've gone self-employed once, and I'm not even joking. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I had no idea what to expect or what to do. So what's so, it been like? So even like that, so the MD of the solutions company was my company, basically. I just set it up as a limited company, so it was me again. Um, the last time I worked for somebody um that wasn't just doing some freelance when i the last time i actually worked in a full-time job was probably in about 
2005. Um, the, as I say, you know, I used to work for the agencies while I was at uni, but I I've never been in full-time, say in full-time employment, at least 60 to 80 hours a week, but I've never been in full-time employment. Um, that's the other thing. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you don't need to sleep. Um, the, I've always been doing this since I left uni, basically, um, is where I've been out. But it is scary. But What's is... scary is that's 18 years ago, 2005. I'm just trying to do the math in my head, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, 18 years ago in 2005? So 18 years you've, you've been doing I this. I am 50. I don't look it, but... Yeah. <laughs> So what sort of tips would you be giving to people who are really, like like myself, sort of um, absorbed into the PAYE style of, of working and are looking at doing this but are absolutely terrified of changing to a self-employed status, be that self-employed or starting their own organisation? What tips could you give them to prepare for what's to come? I would say reach out to people that do it. Um, there's plenty of us out there. I was going to say just reach out to me, but <laughs> you can reach out to me and I might pat you off under somebody else, but <laughs> um, reach out, ask questions, um, attend events, um, the networking side of things. Um, this is one of the big things, and this is what I'm actually going to be talking about at the care show in a couple of weeks. Um, is networking, collaboration, and community. You need to have all three of those, and you need those to be able to go forward. It's a very lonely life being an entrepreneur. It's even more lonely when you spend it sat in your office, <laughs> which was your spare room, <laughs> um, but is now the office. Um, and, yeah, exactly. And... It could be, I mean, I have seen me at some point not actually leaving the house for four or five days because I get so engrossed in everything. And then it's like, I haven't actually tasted fresh air in four days. Um, so reach out. Don't do this alone, you know, and there's plenty of support out there. I mean, it's one of the things that I, when I started looking at the, the Care Connector Network, and I started looking what's out there. If you look across the UK and Ireland, there's over 60,000 care businesses. There's enough for everybody. We don't need to fight. What we should be doing is collaborating. If we collaborate, we can grow. We can all grow. There's enough for everybody. Um, so reach out. Ask for help. <clears throat> look at books. Don't just look within the care sector either. Look out with the care sector from an, from a learning perspective. Um, I'm in the Professional Speaking Association and I'm the vice president for the Scotland region this year. And for me, I, I was there was two people up talking the other day at our event, and I went both of those talks would be great for the care sector. But the care sector would be like, but how's that relevant to me? Because it's not care. So looking out with um, both 
from an entrepreneurial point of view and also from a care provider's point of view as well. And I'm going to try and get some of those people on to speak on the connect on the network. So I a hundred percent agree with networking and collaboration. And I think that's one reason why Adam and I wanted to do this series of podcasts because we know there's some great knowledge that can be utilized and harnessed. Absolutely. So the Care Connector started in 2020. Was it a case of let's see if this works or were you confident that it was going to be a winner? And I'm also keen to know where did the name come from? Okay. So <laughs> it's an interesting one. Um, it started because I was in a manager's Facebook group and somebody asked for help. I offered my help. I then got berated for advertising what I did. And I was like, I didn't try and charge for it. I was just saying, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> You've asked the question. I'm here to help. And I just thought to myself, nope. As I said, ADHD brain, dyslexic brain, see the big picture. Let's go and do something about this. Um, so I set up a Facebook group is how it started. And basically what I did was said to suppliers and care providers, managers, um, come in and tell us what you need or come in and tell us what you do. And not much happened with it, got around 70 people in it. Um, and that was, and also we were going in and out of lockdown and I was going to be going back out on the road and then not back out on the road and then, you know, um, so I didn't do much with it. And then of course, we were, um, 2020, uh, Christmas 2020 came and we went back into lockdown again, didn't we? And I was like, I can't keep doing this of thinking I'm going to get money and work and then not getting it. So I looked back at what we had with what I'd set up and spoke to some of my friends, um, both within the PSA and also um, a friend of mine that runs a networking business and said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? And he said, go for it. Um, I said, I wanted to make it sector specific for the care sector. And he said, just go for it, give it a try. So December 2020 is when I then decided to go for it. And prior to the name, <laughs> so the name, when it first started, because I did it in my um, little rage of typing away on the keyboard, um, and Facebook said, you have to put what it is in the group. And I just thought, oh, I don't know. So that's when dyslexic brain came out and said, do exactly what it is. So I called it something like, it was very catchy. Um, for those that supply services and products to those that procure them within the care sector. <laughs> Exactly. Not a mouthful at all. Very <laughs> well. Absolutely. Do, do you know what I mean? It just like falls off out of your mouth. It's really easy to remember. And um, so yeah. And then it was in December that it was like, what am I actually doing here? And it's like I'm connecting these people to these people. So that's where the Care Connector Network came about and how the name came about. Um, 
because that's basically what I was doing. People were getting in touch with me and going, do you know anyone that does this? And I would go, yes, and put them in touch. I'm not a procurement company. That is one thing I'm not. I want to start spending more time on the golf courses and at conferences. I don't want to be, <laughs> I'm not a sales person, you know, it is for the people that are in the network. But if somebody says that they have, you know, do you know somebody? And I do, then I'm going to put them in touch. So, I mean, when you think about it like that, it's pretty much self-explanatory, isn't it? You know, we are connecting people in care. You are connecting people in care. It's, it's sort of a nail on the head. It's spot on. So yeah. how important is the care connector, do you think, to the stability of the health and social care sector? I think it is something. So remember I said that there's over 60,000 care businesses. There's also over 500 different types of supplier that touch a care business once or on a daily basis. So everything from your land acquisition through to your paper boy girl. You know, it. there are so many things, but people don't get to see them. I mean, some of the th people that are in my network, some of the products and services they've got just blow me away when I speak to them and you go, wow. Um, and that also was why, for me, it was that frustration of the fact that I didn't have a big marketing budget to get the nutrition company out there. I didn't have that big budget to be able to push myself. And a lot of people that come to the network are smaller. My idea when I set it up was it was for smaller independent suppliers to be able to talk to smaller independent providers and care homes and care businesses that didn't have back office support. However, that changed because we've got some of the bigger players in and we've got some of the, you know, a couple of corporate um, suppliers as well. So from that perspective it was very much you know looking at it from that point of view so how how is it going to how to the stability i would say that it's going to be quite big very soon there's a lot happening behind the scenes at the minute um and a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the network and the people talk about that come in, it is going to be quite a big thing very shortly. I created a monster on the Mighty Network and then went, oh, what have I just done? <laughs> I can't do all this myself, but now I've got a team of people that have um, come on board with me. So I think, I think it will be very much um, a case of being an instrumental part of it that part sounds really positive and so for anybody not listening what are the benefits of joining either as a supplier or as a user of the care connector okay so as a supplier it's going to give you um access um to a network of providers uh managers um and not just that, as I say, like with the new the the new Mighty Network platform um, that I say it's new. I've had it sort of 
murmuring over in the background. There's around 500 people on it already. Um, I've set it up where each care business can separate out their um, management team into separate groups. And we can have the right conversations with the right people in a safe space where people can't see, you know, the, the chefs can't see what the owners are writing and the owners can't see what the chefs are writing. So it's a safe space for people to be able to, to, um, to talk. But it gives people an access to a network of potential customers and clients, um, the ability to showcase their uh, products or services. You know, um, they're allowed to post up what they do once a week. Um, you can put a sales post up um, and let people know what you do. And then they can put up four or five educational posts around what they do. Um, that are not salesy, but educational. Um, as I say, it's an educational platform as far as I'm concerned as well. Um, so they get to do that. And also they get to um, run their own event if they want to as well once a month um, where they can use the network and come on and do a webinar or podcast or whatever it is that they want to do through that and um, get to get themselves be seen and heard, basically. Um helps them to increase brand awareness, recognition within the sector, um, opportunities for partnerships and collaborations with other suppliers and healthcare providers, you know, um, and being able to stay up to date with industry news as, as well. What's different, what's happening, what's new? Um, what do they need to change, you know, to stay in line with what's going on? Um, and then from a... And we run across three platforms, but eventually what we want to do is, is there's going to be, as I said, there's some changes coming. The Mighty Network is going to become a paid platform for everybody, um, whether you're a care provider, whether you're a care business or whether you're a care supplier. But it will be per business, not per individual user from the care side. And we're going to be given 50% of what comes in from the care side to the care worker charity um, because we formed an alliance with them. Now, from, from the care side, what are their benefits? You know, they're getting access to find and reach out to suppliers quickly um, and get information back quickly in a safe way where they're not just going to be inundated with DMs um, because we've that's my biggest rule is no DMing. Um, they can post in the thread. And if the if the care person goes, yeah, let's have a chat, knock yourself out. But if you start DMing, you're out, you know. Um, the ability to compare options that are available, you know, rather than just going to the one that is constantly in your face and big enough to be able to spend money on marketing, give you that opportunity to talk to different suppliers find out what's out there and also then you know it's going to give people opportunity to review and um give feedback for the suppliers so hopefully that'll up the game of the suppliers as well you know and then educational side of things um and the network and the collaboration and for and the community 
So, I mean, it all sounds fantastic and, and really interesting and intriguing. And I'm promising I'm not going to turn this into a sort of Dragon's Den scenario. But, you know, 16, it's a, it's a, it's a fact. It's there, just like um, that Katie Mellower song. 60% um, of startups go bust within three years of, of starting up. You're heading into, you know, your second year of operations now. When we think that we've got so much free content out there, you know, Skills for Care is there delivering for free, and we have our trade shows in which people can attend for free and talk yeah. to um, the the suppliers directly there, and you know, other membership organisations, and obviously care associations exist. Is there a concern that you worry that you're going to end up as part of this sixty percent statistic? What's your sort of longevity? How are you going to ensure that actually? Providers who are cash strapped are going to be willing to pay for this moving forwards. Um, I think you know, looking at this from that perspective, because um, it was something I hadn't asked myself until um, Mark had asked me, <laughs> and um, no, I don't see me falling into that category of failure. Um, we're actually growing at the minute on a daily basis. Um, because we've got, we've got that free element as well. So the Facebook will always be free for the care sector to be able to post, to be able to engage, and to be able to see what's going on. But if you then want the premium content, it will be over on the other place, you know, on the other network. So the Facebook will always be there, and it will always have free content, and it will always be free access for the care sector, always. Um, we're growing at the minute, you know, we're partnering up with different people. Um, so we partnered up with the care road shows. So we now run the networking area and events at all of the care road shows across the UK. So all five care road shows, first one being in Glasgow on the 18th of April. Um, also the care, you, yeah, um, one for in a couple of weeks time um so and we did some stuff with the care show last year as well and hopefully we'll do some more with them this year as well you know and i see it as something that's going to grow because of the fact that we support the net support the network in a different way and for us it's not just about money the only reason the only reason that i'm going to charge the care sector so they start engaging more because they've got some skin in the game. Um, Thank you. I was just going to um, I was just going to ask. There's obviously a large number of startups, and a lot of them rely on funding. So you, you just previously spoke about obviously Facebook will be the free platform, and then the network will be the paid subscription. Yeah. Have you ever received any funding for making the care collector a success, or are you relying on the paid subscription to them? boost your business and drive it forward i haven't received any funding i haven't reached out for funding one of the reasons i haven't reached out for funding is as i say for us it's not about the money it's more about the community and the actual network um, and helping the care sector um i only charge 20 pound a month do you know what i mean it's <laughs> it's not we're not talking like thousands of pounds here. We're talking 240 pound a year, you know, um, to be a member of the network. And 
And the, one of the reasons I didn't want to go down the funding route is so that I didn't have to charge thousands of pounds because there was somebody else wanting money, you know. Uh, and I think that that's one of the things I had somebody when I first set up the care, uh, complete nutritional care, that wanted 40% of my company and then wanted me to start, you know. And you're like, hold on a minute, you know, that this is not, I'm all for, you know, collaborating and bringing people in and stuff like that but for me it's been a hard slog getting to where i am um and i'm proud of where i've got to um in those two years and yeah there's more and more happening and but it's been organic growth rather than funded growth and i'm sure there's there probably is some funding out there so if anyone knows of any let me know <laughs> I think it's honestly, I think it's brave what you're doing. I think, you know, it's it, it, all startups. If all startups did the same thing, then, you know, it'd be a, a really competitive competitive market. So go down a different a different angle, a different sort of structure, I think is is a really, really brave endeavor. Um, so it's becoming big. It's already big. You know, you're at the road shows, you're at UK Care Week, um, and, you know, you're growing as they come. So the... The, the platform for the people working in the sector. We we recently saw a post where you were flying um, overseas to deliver some training. Um, is that part of this plan? Are you going to be um, expanding uh, across the shores? Um, is there any sort of scope here for actually getting involved in international recruitment and making sure that people are coming over um, to work in social care are involved in getting connected? Um, so what, what are the plans? Yeah, so um, the plans are, yes, that this um, is something. So that we're going over to Lanzarote with the Care Connector Learning Academy. So we've got that side of it as well, where we're providing different types of training that don't exist or um, where we collaborate with other people in the network um, and bring them into do training sessions um, on that side of things. So there's three of us going out to um, Lanzarote on Sunday. There's myself, there's uh, Dave Coomer, and there's Marianne Mills. Um, and yes, I do um, have a plan for this to go around the world in different countries, because when I've looked at you know, the care sector across the world, it is the same um, regardless of where you are. The legislation might be different. The you know funding side of things, the way things are done on that side might be different. However, they all still need the same type of suppliers and they've all got the same problems. <laughs> Just coming back a bit and... Yeah, I mean, I've already said to you about room in the in the suitcase for me to to get overseas <laughs> into the sun, sea, and sand. I mean, I'm happy just to sunbathe whilst you all work if there's still room. Um, <laughs> you spoke about that you haven't gone down the funding route to main, maintain control, and you want to keep your values, which I think is actually really refreshing to hear. I think we see and we hear so often how organisations or people changed, obviously, to meet the board or whoever is giving that funding. So, I just wanted to ask. For anyone listening, do you have any advice on how to network and gain partnerships in the way you have? For example, obviously, 
you spoke about the road shows and how you're taking the lead on that with them in part any advice for anybody listening i think again it is it's the networking side of things it is getting yourself out there it's letting people know who you are what you do um even like when people join a network um and i'm constantly on my supplier network because they come and join and then don't do anything <laughs> you know they sit there and it's like what shall i do now when they've been told what they can do what they should be doing and they're constantly reminded of it um if you just join a network and sit there nothing is going to happen it doesn't matter whether it's my network whether it is any of the associations or any of the other networks that are out there it doesn't make any difference you have to engage to get back we're talking about this a, a little bit myself um and and someone else the other day of push pull value and if you're a member of a network, you should be looking at what you can pull from that network rather than what that network is pushing on you. That to me is key, that we should be looking down this route. We should be looking at pulling as much value from the network that you're in, whether that be free or paid, it doesn't make any difference. The network exists, you're in it, do something with it make the most of your membership no i think that's some really good advice and finally before we close off off the podcast today what other tips do you have for any fledgling entrepreneurs um don't give up um when things go wrong don't um panic um i did in ld1 the original i had a complete and utter meltdown um but when the second lockdown came along i was like well it is what it is what can i actually do why i've got this time to do it reach out again i'm going to say this reach out and talk to people that do this already you know the majority of them will help you if you're scared to talk to anyone that you don't know come and talk to me you know, I'm happy to have a chat with you or point you in the right direction, depending on what route you're looking to go down work-wise. Um, and just be patient. Be very patient. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It really doesn't happen overnight. It took me nearly 10 years to get going properly with the with complete nutritional care. And I was starting to get <laughs> getting some momentum. And obviously then the little bug arrived. But I still haven't given up on that, you know. So it's very much be patient, put the work in, get yourself out there, get yourself known, you know, and smile. Brilliant. Honestly, Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Obviously, Mark and I have been following you for, well, probably since uh, the Care Connector started, and it's great to see what you're achieving. And, you know, hopefully people listening to this can go away with with more information as part of this podcast series now to go, actually, maybe I will try it this way. Maybe I will um, have a look at, at starting up my business in in the way that Ian's done it with, with the Care Connector. Um, 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode three of our series of influential leaders and innovators in social care. This is The Caring View. You can follow us on all of our social media networks at The Caring View. Give us a subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to our um, our Spotify channel. Visit www.thecaringview.co.uk. All of our information is on there. You can listen to our podcast, watch our episodes, and access all of our free resources through our website. Uh, but until then, I want to say a huge thank you to my co-host, Mark Tops. A big faux pas from me, not introducing that beaut at the beginning of this podcast. And a massive thank you for Ian for joining us today. Take You're care. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Caring View. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, as well as various podcasting sites. So don't forget to subscribe, like, and share to become part of the conversation.